Yeah, I see. I see. We have Crypto Fish. What's up, Crypto Fish? What up, Fish? Hey, what's up? Chilling. How are, uh, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling? I know you're. Um, uh, oh right. Yeah, there. yeah. I've been good. I mean, uh, basically, there was that conference, and then I went to some events, and then probably had a little bit too much fun, but just got sick of the process. So, kind of had to take the last week out and just rest. Hey, no, nothing wrong with getting turned, man. Nothing wrong with, wrong with getting turned up. You probably deserve the party. But yeah, how are you guys? Good. 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 I was just, uh, you know, telling them about my latest kind of like, I don't know. I don't even know what adjective you'd even use, but like, you know, hopping in the NFT game, it, it moves so, so fast and it's, uh, it's an exciting area, so I'm kind of dabbling in the NFT side of things now. Yeah, it seems like every day there's like five NFT projects sprouting up, and my DMs just get spammed with like people asking me to promote stuff, whether it's like, I don't know, dolphins or something. Every day is something new. Some adjective with the animal, and then some sort of like, you know, country club or, you know, beach house. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crypto fish, are, are you uh, messing around with any of the NFTs or are you just staying straight up tokens? No, I mean, actually, you know what? I was bullish about NFTs for a long while and I was, um, I was like, I was that guy who was just telling everyone about CryptoPunks back in February, but I never pulled the trigger to buy one um, just because I couldn't justify myself paying like, you know, 10, 20,000 for a JPEG. Um, but despite that, I was still bullish about it, just never bought it. And then, yeah, I mean, the whole thing just blew up, right? Um, definitely. I think there's still a lot of things to do with NFTs. We haven't seen their final form. Um, uh, but as artwork, I think it's great. You know, um, actually we're, we're, we're thinking about doing our own NFTs for Trader Joe just cause, um, yeah, I think it just lends very well with the brand. Let's go. I mean, I, Chase and Super, we were, we were always talking about how Trader Joe has some of like the best artwork in the AVAX ecosystem. Like, imagine that. I think it, that'd be hella based. Yeah, I mean, we, it's something that we probably spend a certainly long amount of time on. Uh, we should probably spend more time on coding, but no, we spend more time like marketing and branding and all that kind of stuff. No, like, hey, like I, I can literally tell you. Like it works, and I mean, there's been multiple instances where I've brought up to Mewtwo or Super, and I was just like, I was like, man, I was like, you guys are like killing the meme side, like like the creativity side, and it's bringing, um, you know, you know, with that, it's actually really interesting, is because like you guys could kind of be like at the forefront of bridging NFTs and DeFi if you think of like a a really creative collection. I've actually kind of been like thinking of that myself, but. Um, no, like I, I appreciate the uh, effort, and it doesn't go unnoticed, and it caught it's caught my eye. So if it, if I'm feeling that way, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that have kind of. Yeah, I mean, before we launched, uh, we like we uh, we set up our Twitter back in June, and um, we had like a landing page, and the only thing we had was like a picture of of Joe with his market, um, serving some fruits, whatever, and immediately we got like a couple hundred people coming to Telegram saying. You know, I'm ready to ape it because I, I love this this picture, and um, I have it as my as my phone background now. So definitely, yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, our, our designers are amazing. Um, whatever they did, it's definitely working. So props to them. I mean, I, I think that that's huge. I think the artwork is helping to form the community around around Trader Joe. Wouldn't you agree, Chase? Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I was actually going to say. I'm, I feel really bad because I'm forgetting uh, the person's name. Uh, Cryptofish, you may know who I'm talking about there, but they've actually created some NFTs around. It's like an animated style 3D rendering of like this like uh, bridge. And it's like all the Trader Joe's like walking in the field. And it's like mm. the avalanche logo like in the on the mountain i'm sure you know what i'm talking about but. yeah it's uh go 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 Kek or go jack right yeah 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 that's him um you know I, that you can't um you know it's like how some people say like you can fork code but you can't like fork community or like fork like you know the brand with the, within the community so yeah 100 um, percent. actually um speaking of like really dope videos we actually have a a really sick kind of movie coming out for banker joe so we're excited for that should be launching probably sometime next week is uh that a screenshot the last your last yeah week? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we showed That's some so we showed some people and they were like all the smack bike they're like wow this is like you should just make a movie now you just pivot yeah. into like animation studio <laughs> <laughs> trader joe animations yeah uh if anybody wants to see it i put it at the top of the way looks super sick let's go are you gonna like section off the movie into like different nfts that people can purchase or how you how you guys gonna be like distributing um i don't know actually uh, I, I thought about it but i was also thinking like what is the purpose of selling it as an nft you know like i mean it's nice to get a bit of money but it's not like we need it right so i was just thinking like what is the purpose of it i mean I, I guess at some point, like we can create a collection and you know maybe auction it off for charity or whatever. But I think for the meantime, there's no like immediate need for for selling it really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I have you go for it, Chase. Yeah. Have you ever uh, thought about creating a um, Trader Joe like NFT collection? that is kind of sort of airdrop funded by the fees generated from the protocol? Um, like some sort of like reward mechanism utility that's kind of like built in. Um, just like, you know, it kind of be like a win-win to where you would have that very strong community presence in uh, marketing and branding, mm. um, which could further kind of help like solidify you guys like in the ecosystem. Well, that's actually, actually when we, before we launched, we had this idea where, you know, have you guys like used FTX before? No. Or I think I think oh, actually, yeah. I think Binance has it as well. It's like when you when you close a trade, it can tell you like how much you've gained, and it's like this kind of little artwork, and people share it. And we had this idea where like if you close a liquidity position, for example, um, and it'll be cool if you can like track how much you've you've gained or lost in that position. And then you can make that as an NFT and then generate it as like a piece of artwork. And really, I mean, it's, you know, you're paying gas, which is something that's kind of useless, but we thought it'd be really cool because it's, there's like a social value inherent to that, right? So it can be like used as a marketing tool where people can go on Twitter and say, hey, look, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've made 10X on this position, like this is cool. And then you can share it and it's visual and it, it kind of like spreads the, the brand about Joe as well. 
Um, so we looked into that prior to launch, but actually it turned out to be really complicated. And then we just realized, you know, we we're spending so much time um, on things that weren't really functional, like core components. So we just decided to scrap that. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like in your eyes, um, do you kind of view there maybe being one day like a merge of, uh, you know, large NFT communities kind of, uh, merging with, with D apps and some sort of kind of reward sharing, like partnership, if you will. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I think right now, I mean, you know, the NFTs that we see is just gen generally just like pieces of artwork that you kind of trade. But what would be really cool is, and I think, you know, this is part of the reason why CryptoPunks and also like the other more famous ones like BAYC are so popular is because um, you can suddenly, like people attach their own personality, their own online personas to these NFTs. Um, and what would be cool is actually like, you know, in the Web2 world, when you have a login, right, you use your Google or Facebook login. Instead, you can log in with an NFT and there's a picture attached to it, but then also you can attach other kind of like profile metadata to it that's kind of linked to your, you know, online persona. And I think that will be like the future of, for me, that's where I see NFTs going. Um, it does require some other things that, um, that need to be done on like the coding level. For example, like one of the things that you can't do right now in Solidity is that you can't have an NFT inherit another NFT. Um, and I think that's important because it'll be cool if you have like, you know, you can have like your, your main NFT, but then it also owns other, other NFTs. And then suddenly you have like an NFT that's kind of like the master NFT. And it's like the, the, the kind of like the profile that you hide behind online. And, you know, it's, it gives you like that street credibility and who knows, maybe you can use it for like credit scores or whatever. Um, I mean, that's just something I'm kind of throwing out of my head right now, but I definitely feel like uh, the social component is really important for the future of NFTs. Yeah, 100%. If, oh, go ahead, me too. No, go for it, bro. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, community is everything with these NFTs, right? Because you see some NFT projects with um, either a very small or a very dead community, and it directly correlates with how much success they have. Um, but with a true community too behind a true project, like anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of autism and, and money, you know, when it comes to art, I guess. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's why crypto is so, so popular is like, uh, you, you know, first of all, you have that dopamine hit, right? Like um, in like the, the trad tech world, like most apps, they're trying to find, ways to give users that dopamine hit. So it's like whether you add a like button or a little heart button on Instagram, it's like crypto, you naturally have that because it's basically, it is basically gambling. Um, but what's also really strong about crypto is the, the the social aspect. So that's why we come onto, you know, communities like Twitter spaces and Telegram and stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I think NFT is just like a natural extension of that really. Yeah, I'm actually curious. Like you're talking about how um, you know you're you're pretty early to the punks, you know, and trying to get people on board in that. But kind of like going back before that, how did what was your journey into crypto? Like when did that start? Yeah, I started in 2017. Um, I was quite lucky. I learned about you know the the wonders of blockchain about six months before the whole ICO boom happened, and um, 
at the time I, I was kind of changing careers. So I wasn't even a developer at the time. I was kind of just like, uh, I was starting to learn programming on my own. And then I, uh, I think I just stumbled upon like Bitcoin and stuff and discovered it and I was super fascinated. And then, um, you know, I bought my first Bitcoin and then the whole ICO boom happened. I started dabbling to, to altcoins. Then I was like, oh, this is just too easy. Like, you know, life is, it's like, why am I, why am I grinding my day job when I can be making like 20X in a month? Um, but like every foolish trader, I went through, you know, the, uh, the realities of bear market, I never sold. So anything that I had gained was lost over that whole year in 2018. Um, and then I just spent that time just like, uh, learning how to program, learning how to, you know, I went back to school for computer science and I didn't think about the time, but my, my goal was kind of like to always become a developer in, in crypto. Um, but I didn't actually think that would happen, like, you know, actually happen a few years later. When you said you lost it all, is there any... <clears throat> like disciplines or rules you made for yourself going forward in the next market? Yeah, I mean, the reason, so, I, you know, I was one of those guys who thought, okay, yeah, I can do this. But then I've just learned over time that I'm a bad trader. Um, and my issue is just like, you know, with crypto, you have to manage your portfolio like every single day. You know, if you're not on Twitter, like for at least a couple of days and you already feel behind, and if you're behind by a couple of days, then you're behind on like all the news cycles and everything. So um, I would say that going through this cycle, definitely my strategies were just more like don't overcomplicate things. So when the bull market happened, I think this is a common problem in bull markets that like, you know, you stay in your kind of stable blue chip um, tokens. And then bull market happens and then suddenly you want to dabble into like those micro gem shit coins that can make like 100x in a couple of weeks. And it's really tempting to uh, do that. But I find that, you know, the hard thing and the, the probably the best thing in the bull market is to not just FOMO into everything. Um, just like sticking the same discipline and like sticking to your strategy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love that. And, you know, it's actually... 2017 was really unique because like after that bubble popped, we saw, um, a, you know, a lot of money leave the market completely. Do you actually think that we could see a potential different market dynamic sort of play out into where, um, you know, like you're talking about like those, the shit coins that could hundred X like these crazy bets that probably won't survive more than, you know, a year or two. Um, do you see that money flooding into the blue chips that have like, you know, the decade long staying power that are kind of like solidifying the foundation or do you see kind of um, a lot of the money exiting the market again? Yeah, I think, I think when there was a downturn, like after May, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of guys who have been in this space since 2017, they were like, Oh shit, the bear market's going to happen now, you know, and we, we've all kind of traumatized from 2018. I think it'll be slightly different. And the reason why is because back in 2018, there still wasn't a product market fit for crypto. You know, you were having like blockchain for everything, like blockchain for dentistry, blockchain for like baby milk or whatever. Um, and it was funny because like, I remember Ethland was launched back then, which is now called Aave. And back then, like anything that was lending was considered Ponzi. 
Um, so that just goes to show how much we've come to finding product market fit. And we've actually found that now with, um, with DeFi. So DeFi is proven product market fit. Um, I don't think just because there's a bear market that suddenly all this money will leave DeFi. Uh, saying that though, definitely, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of projects that probably won't survive um, unless they find ways to survive uh, to differentiate themselves. But I don't think we're going to see like a, a bear market to the scale of 2018. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you there. I think there's just too much utility. Um, but, you know, I don't think quote, quote, like bear markets are outlawed. Like I def we'll definitely have downturns and we'll have pullbacks and stuff like that. But um, I don't think we'll see the market bottom out in that fashion. Yeah, and I think uh, just like circling back on that as well, um, you know, every cycle brings about a new kind of debate in terms of like an, it, it, in terms of like technology or innovation. Um, for example, in 2017, the big debate was like big blocks of Bitcoin, right? And now four years later, like no one really talks about Bitcoin or no one really cares about that. Um, and I think, in, you know, for this cycle, it was about how we're going to scale Ethereum. And I think now slowly the conversation is changing about how can we, you know, it's, it's moving on from Bitcoin to Ethereum to now the other L1 or L2 chains. So Solana, um, Phantom, Polygon, Avalanche. So I really feel like, um, you know, we've seen, we've had to talk about Ethereum and how we're going to scale that. And now it's going to be about like, how can we um, start to make these other chains flourish? Yeah, do you, um, I'm actually curious. I, I'm sure we'll, we're going to get into this later, but like, are there any plans? Like, are you guys going to stay in the Avalanche ecosystem or um, do you guys see yourselves going multi-chain? Yeah, we get this question a lot. I I just, you know, I, I feel like multi-chain is such a hard thing to get right. Um, it just feels like one of those things like, oh, let's go multi-chain. It seems so obvious, right? And you think, yeah, we can just deploy the code and we can get more liquidity and get more users, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think many people think about the opportunity costs of going multi-chain. Um, first of all, the main one is like resources. You have to, forking the code is easy, but you have to spend human resources developing a community on another chain. And that in itself is really hard. But there's also the opportunity cost of um, what about your main community on your native chain? Like what happens to that? Does it become diluted? Um, and that's my main concern really. It's like we're solidly on, on Avalanche. We have a very strong presence here. Yes, we could just go on other chains, but what would happen to our main community? on avalanche and you know that's what i care about more um, yeah okay. yeah sorry go on no please continue um so yeah just to like just to you know summarize what i said i i think for now definitely we have no plans on going multi-chain saying that though um multi-chain is probably the future does it mean that we'll we won't deploy there in the future. I don't know yet, but you know, definitely a possibility, but I say for now, uh, we have no plans to do so. Yeah. I, I was just going to add into that. It, it kind of almost seems that, you know, it's like going multi-chain is kind of like paralleling to like going corporate. I feel like, right. Because you have to scale at such an exponential level and hire all this different, um, 
people across the board and different talents to uh, bring your services to other chains. And it's kind of with the, um, you know, saying in like one ecosystem, it's kind of like, it's like building a small business that's more like oriented on like users and like a more of a uh, intimate level. Yeah. And like community itself is something that's very hard, but also what we've noticed is that um, communities on different blockchains tend to be very tribalistic. Um, so you have like your guys who love Avalanche, you have your ETH Maxis, you have your Solana Maxis. And then there's obviously a group that don't really care. They're happy to go on any chain. Um, but for the most part, I would say most people prefer to stick to one chain. And um, yeah, I, I just feel like growing communities on different chains and having that kind of mindset and trying to uh, trying to cater to th- different tribes is, is just something that's very hard to get right. Um, I'm still yet to see an example of a project that has deployed on different chains and built the communities on those individual chains uh, very successfully as well. Yeah, I'm actually curious. I want to take it back to a point that you had made earlier. Um, like you had talked about, you know, <laughs> you're working your your traditional job, but like you're, you know, trading or, you know, being involved in this industry and making, you know, 20x more than what you were making in your traditional job. Like what were some of the factors for you um, to kind of walk away from that traditional like nine to five to really kind of go into this full time? Because I'd imagine there's probably a lot of people who have, done fairly well you know since like summer of 2020 or maybe will do fairly well by the end of this year that they're going to be asking those like same questions themselves like on the fence like you know should i leave the nine to five should i start doing something in this industry full time Mm. Um, should i start trading to support myself like what were some of the thoughts and and things that you look for um yeah, it's funny because we're we're like hiring, right? And um, a lot of our guys still have day jobs, and we're trying to get them, you know, to 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 basically quit their day jobs and go Trader Joe full time. It's funny. You think that offering money would be like the solution, but it's not necessarily the case for everyone. Um, and just to give an example, like I just feel like you know, with normie jobs, there's there's still a lot of things that give people that sense of stability and, and, and safety, um, you know, things like benefits, um, even just being able to tell people or their friends that they work at, you know, Facebook or whatever, uh, rather than some random crypto project where you don't even know your, your bosses like by name, right? You don't even know them by like random, random aliases. Um, yeah, I think it, you know, I think it's down to the person really like, people who are generally just young and kind of internet native and, you know, they don't have like children and, and wives or husbands, or whatever, they, they're like happy to make that, that jump. But guys who are like kind of steeped in the whole like normie wage cucking lifestyle, it, it ta- usually takes just a, a mind, like a, a shift in their mindset really. Um, and it, it, yeah, it takes definitely, it's more just about like psychologically, they have to take the, the leap really just to make that jump into saying, okay, I'm going to do this full time. Um, I don't think there's anything like stopping them. Like definitely there's more money to be made in crypto. Um, but it's just more about like psychologically, like, oh, am I ready to quit, you know, the job that I'm so used to and that's provided me the safety for many years. Yeah. 
you, you know, what's really interesting is that, um, you know, there, there's probably a lot of people asking these same questions in the late nineties and early two thousands, you know, you had these brand new tech companies. Um, nobody really kind of knew like what the internet was going to grow to be, what it was going to look like, but you know, you knew that there's massive upside potential, but like that hadn't been realized yet. Right. Like you didn't know about the Google, the Facebook, um, the Netflixes. And so, um, I feel like we're kind of in that same point in history where it's kind of, you know, you have the opportunity to take that like leap of faith and, and really risk it and build something. And, you know, it really won't truly be like appreciated. So until like you look back, you know, like five to 10 years from now. Yeah, definitely. And just to circle back on what I said, like, I, I you know, cause we're like, this is something that we, I've been thinking a lot about recently. It's like hiring, right? Hiring crypto is, it, it sounds like it should be the same in like, in like, you know, normal jobs where you just, tell someone, hey, I want to hire you, here's your salary, blah, blah, blah. I think it's fundamentally different. And the reason why I think it's fundamentally different is because um, people who work in crypto, you know, they, first of all, they don't go to an office, right? So most of the time they're just like in their pajamas um, and they don't want to think of it like a normal, like a normal job. And the reason why I say this is because uh, you know, what we've realized is that sometimes, like, if you offer them, say, a proper salary, um, they actually don't want to take the job anymore because it just feels like a proper job to them. Whilst if you offer them, like, less, but you give them the flexibility, it just, the expectation changes and they're happy to, like, treat it as a part-time thing. And, um, yeah, I just feel like hiring crypto is uh, very, very different and very, very hard to get right. Yeah, that yeah, that's a really interesting dynamic. Um, and also, do you? I mean, I feel like it from a, a observer, right? Like I'm not on the ground floor in crypto, but I do feel like a lot of team members will kind of hop around project to project. Um, do you think yeah. that's kind of just like the way that the industry will probably like forever work? Like it will just kind of be like this talent sharing pool of kind of like on a contract basis where it's not full salary, but you kind of hang around a project development. Yeah. This is like, like the, the massive headache of hiring developers in this space. Um, we were actually having discussion about this in the main uh, Trader Joe Telegram channel. And people were like, hey, why don't you just like, you know, you have a massive team fund now. Why don't you just offer people like, you know, two times their Google salary? And it's, it's not as easy because we, we want to hire people for long term, right? We want them to stay with us. We don't want them to jump around. And, you know, if you're a developer in a space and you know what you're doing, you have options. Either you will go start your own project and, you know, become a multimillionaire. Or um, some of the other guys, they actually don't, you know, for them, more money is not important. They actually prefer to have flexibility. So they're, they prefer to have, like, this very non-committal relationship with the projects where they'll come in, they'll do a job, they'll work on a project for like a month or two months, and then, you know, they'll make whatever X amount of money, and then they'll just move on to another job. And um, for, for us, that's a big headache um, because, you know, we, we want to hire people for long term. We want them to stay with us for, you know, at least a year, maybe a couple of years. And um, yeah, I, I just find like a lot of devs, they just have a lot of options and they kind of just want to, enter like engagements with no strings attached. 
Gotcha. So what do you what do you offer to these devs to um to kind of incentivize them to stay and help build Trader Joe? Yeah, this is this is something that we haven't really figured out yet. So what we were, we were doing before is that we'll give them like a monthly salary, and then we'll you know pay like a bonus of that, like say anywhere between fifty to you know twenty five percent of that in in Joe, um, and it, it sounds good, but it, I'm not sure if it's, like, it's the best way to do it as well. Um, I know other projects they do like the traditional tech way where they'll give them like um, a yearly salary that they pay out monthly. And then they'll have, uh, you know, they'll say, okay, we'll also give you like X amount of Joe um, that vests linearly over a year. And maybe there's like a three month cliff or something like that. Um, but the issue, so with the first method, the issue is that like, for example, um, last month, Joe went from like five cents to, you know, $2 and, um, you know, some guys, they, they made a, a fuck ton of money uh, from their Joe bonus. And once they got it, it's like, they it's, it's very hard for them to stay motivated. You know, it's like, well, they can kind of just like chill out now, right? And um, for us, that's not good as well, because we want them to stay with us. We, we're happy to pay them, but we also want to, you know, make them, make them stay motivated. So that's the hard thing about hiring crypto. It's like, you know, you can pay them money, but how do you also keep them motivated? Yeah, I think that's where, um, you know, the mission and vision really comes into play. And, you know, getting getting the team bought into this grander vision of what you guys are going to bring to the world. Um, you know, because there's, there's some things, once you find the right people that match that mission and vision, and they're extremely bought in, you know, $100,000 or $300,000 that they made in, you know, six months or a month, whatever it may be, uh, that's meaningless to them. Like they're, they're not, you know, they're here for the journey and for that reward of like delivering that like final product of X, Y, Z. Yeah, definitely. I think it all boils down to like getting to know the, the person you're hiring as well and what motivates them. Um, I think that's something that, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely working very hard on. I'm actually curious, like what, uh, what are you currently hiring for? We, you know, we have people that tune in all the time that are um, interested in getting into the, the, the industry. I mean, the main thing right now is finding smart contract engineers. Um, I mean, yeah, if you, if you know how to, you know, write contracts and you know how to deploy them, debug them, and you've worked on, you know, complex protocols like compound, uh, yeah, then feel free to, sh to give me a shout. Yeah, I feel like that's like the biggest demand right now is uh, smart contract developers. Um, yeah, they're just so hard. I mean, I even tried like, we work with some auditing firms and I even tell them like, hey, we'll hire you guys. Then <laughs> we'll, we'll pay you like, you know, more than whatever you're making at your audit firm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just generally very hard to hire smart contract engineers. Yeah, and I hear auditing firms are even even probably in even more demand as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing with smart contract engineers is that like even an average one can make something like, you know, 200,000 a year, right? Uh, the issue is that you, you want someone that's, you know, better than average. And those guys are just so hard to find. I'm actually curious, like what, what, what is the turnaround time in terms of, um, kind of like really 
immersing yourself and being comfortable and kind of like reaching that skill level to be a pretty good smart contract developer? Um, good question. So actually, I, I started learning Solidity like literally six months ago. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm amazing. But I'm I'm decent enough now. But a lot of that was like accelerated because I just been working at Trader Joe, and you know, oftentimes like I'm the only person to look at these contracts, and I have to just make sure I'm, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it right. Um, I think it can vary really. The the issue with like learning smart contracts is that there's a huge gap between like learning resources out there and what you actually end up working on. Uh, to give you an example, you know, when you ask people, hey, I want to learn Solidity, the, the main resource they give you is like, oh, go on Udemy or go do Crypto Zombies. And both resources are very simple. And you, know, you go through them thinking, oh, this is, this is simple. But then when you fork like Uniswap or compound contracts and you try to understand them, you're like, what the fuck is going on? And there's just this massive gap. And really, there's, there's no way to bridge that gap smoothly other than just to work on a project and just to really get your your head stuck in. Yeah, I, um, yeah, so I mean, like with that, um, you know, I, I like really enjoyed this conversation, like picking your brain about the market, um, smart card, smart contract development, and just kind of like building teams in the space, but kind of like switching gears um, to Trader Joe, for people who may not have like interacted with your services or kind of even bridged over, what what is Trader Joe? So Trader Joe is a one-stop trading, uh, decentralized trading platform on Avalanche. So right now, we, our main core offering is the DEX slash AMM. Um, and then next week, we will offer lending. And the lending is very critical because in the future, we are also going to offer leverage trading and also other DeFi primitives like um, you know, derivatives or whatever else we you know, discover in our path down the DeFi rabbit hole. I, I love that, and we're we're gonna we're gonna circle back to that point uh, because I I see you know you guys kind of doing the Lego block building out the foundation, um, so I definitely want to talk about that a little bit more. And so w- within your services, you have the Joe token. How is that kind of used throughout the ecosystem? So right now, the Joe token um, receives zero point zero five percent of each trade as a trading fee. And what it does is like it uses that and buys back Joe. So, you know, what you do is you have your Joe, you stake it as X Joe, and then um, every day or every two days we do the buybacks. And your X Joe just, each X Joe just be- equals more Joe over time. Um, but in the future, with, for example, lending, what will happen was once our lending product is launched, um, a percentage of earned interest and also closed liquidations will also go to extra holders. And also with every future product release, we'll make sure that extra holders will also receive more revenue. Go ahead, Mitu. Oh, I was just going to ask you, do you have uh, information around like what percentage of the fees will actually be going to the holders or anything like that? You mean for Banker Joe? Yeah. Uh, not not now. I mean, 
I think it's also dependent on each market as well. So what I mean is like each market, you know, you have different parameters you have to tweak, like collateral factor, reserve factor, um, and what what it means is that like, for example, if the reserve factor is higher, then uh, it means that more more of that earned protocol fees will go to extra holders. So it's hard to, to, to tell you like right now, like how much, you know, the protocol like X percentage will go to extra holders. Um, but we can define that later on for each market. I gotcha. And with the lending, uh, will there be any type of like impermanent loss protection? Lending? No, lending has no impermanent loss. Um, you're basically lending out a single asset. So there's uh, it's not like you're you're staking two assets in the ratio or anything. Oh, I got you. Cool. That's that's actually the beauty of lending. Um, I think people, not many people actually have tried lending. Have, have you guys used like Compound or Banky? Yeah, I have. Yeah, so one of the great things about, like, people ask, like, oh, first of all, they think lending is scary, uh, borrowing is scary, I'm scared of liquidations. But also, the, you know, for them, it's like, why, why should I lend out my tokens? You know, I'm only making, like, 5% yield when I can be making, like, you know, 10,000 APY on some DGEN farm. Well, one of the good things is, like, say, you know, you have some AVAX, you don't want to sell your AVAX. Well, you can stake that. In a yields farm, you can stake it in, like, um, I don't know, like an AVAX ETH or AVAX USDT farm. But the issue with that is that you need to have two tokens in equal ratio, and you're also liable to impairment loss. But with lending, you can stake it or you can lend it out um, as a single asset, and there's just no, no impairment loss whatsoever. So if you don't want to diversify your holdings and you just want to hold all AVAX, you can just literally just lend it all out and earn... Obviously, less yield, but um, there's also less impermanent loss. Well, there's no impermanent loss, actually. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people will worry about the yield, but, um, you know, one thing that I keep in mind is that if you're getting, you know, 3% steady on an already exponentially increasing underlying asset, that 3% is a lot more than, you know, 3% on your us dollars yeah definitely i mean people i think like i feel like being in crypto we're kind of spoiled right we're like oh three percent that's nothing but yeah i think let's see banky i think you can lend out your stable coins and actually let's just go on banky right now so if you go on banky and you supply say usdt you can make 14.05 percent that's amazing. Um, in the in the normal world, if you put in your US dollars in a bank account, you'll be lucky to make any kind of interest. But the fact that you can put like USDT into Banky and lend it out and earn 14%, that's amazing. That's like putting in 1 million USDT and earning 140,000 a year. You can easily just, you know, set aside 1 million if you have 1 million and just fund your entire like cost of living for a whole year just by doing that yeah and it, and also um the, i would love your input on this because this is like ultimate degen stuff but how i understood it because of the incentivization rewards you could actually collateralize 
and then borrow more money against that single-sided asset that you provided and then redeposit that and you could actually net your interest payment because of the incentivization. Is that how you understand it as well? You mean like, kind of like recursive? Lend, recursive lend, yeah, recursive or folding, right? Yeah, so basically the idea is that you collateralize um, an asset and then you borrow the same asset. So if you collateralize USDT and then borrow USDT, well, technically it's like impossible, well, almost impossible to get liquidated. And it's basically such a risk-free trade that you can just keep on doing that and just reap the rewards from both lending and borrowing. Yeah, I, um, I saw something last night and it's just like you're talking about, like we're so spoiled uh, but basically what the play that this person did, um, the Twitter handles, I'm drawing a blank on again, but basically, you know, say you had $200,000 and you wanted to buy a house or, you know, 250, wherever, right. You could put that in one of these lending you could take out a loan and then pay cash for your house to where you actually don't lose your assets at all. And then you're actually net gaining on your interests. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of like, you know, if you're you're making 14%, but your your mortgage APR is 3% and you actually didn't lose any of your money, you just collateralized it and borrowed against it. You you could essentially get paid to have a home, but you just can't access that money right away. Oh, damn. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's so sick. <laughs> I might just do that you, now. Not financial <laughs> advice, guys, but not, you know, with this technology, there are some like really insane creative ways that you can like leverage your assets. Yeah, that's the beauty of DeFi, actually. Um, I think for most people, like their first experience of lending will actually be through DeFi and not through like a traditional bank. Uh, but now you mentioned that, that's pretty interesting. Maybe, maybe I'll do that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Let, let, I, I would love to hear back on, you know, if you pull the trigger on that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, it, it's really big brain stuff. And I think over time, um, it'll probably be like arbitraged out, I'm sure, or it'll kind of, you know, be made easier over time, potentially. Um, so it's, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, the issue is that like, the rewards will run out eventually, right? So you know, the, 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 the APYs on Banky are amazing because first of all, you're getting Chi and also you're getting AVAX. But if you look at Compound, like there's no way you're getting 14%, um, mainly because I don't think they're actually rewarding any more Compound. So, you know, just a, just a little advice for all the listeners, like when Banker Joe comes out, um, definitely you want to reap those rewards ASAP because they won't be around forever. Get in early. That's how you make the insane gains. Yeah, so switching gears a little bit, uh, Fish, for the people that haven't used the Joe uh, Trader Joe protocol, can you explain what the token does and how it's used on the platform? Yeah, so basically when you enter any of our yield farms, you will be incentivized by earning Joe. And um, with Joe, you can either just hold it you can farm it for more Joe, or you can stake it into XJO. And what XJO does is actually it receives 0.05% of each trade as a fee. So it's kind of like revenue sharing uh, for the DEX and it will actually buy back more Joe. So each XJO actually 
um, becomes more valuable, is worth more Joe as time goes by. I'm curious, like how was the Joe token distributed um, amongst the community initially? Everything was fair launch. Um, yeah, we launched fairly completely. It was just like we opened our farms and, you know, you can just start earning Joe just by adding liquidity into our farms. Gotcha. All right. Um, so the, some of this... It was 50% to the uh, liquidity providers. That's right. If that, I think that was your question, but... Yeah. Um, okay, so some of the services, right? Like you, we had talked about um, Banker Joe coming out, but as it stands now, as a user, you you have you have trading uh, within the app, and you have pools, farms, and staking and Zap. Could you kind of just like dive into some of those and what that looks like from just say um, like a regular user standpoint? Sure. So okay. So should we start with sorry? What's the what were the functionalities you mentioned? Um, so trading, like one of the things, uh, that like, I love is your guys like trading interface. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start with trade. So trade is literally like what it says. Um, you basically have, you know, you can kind of see the balances of all your tokens and, um, uh, you can trade one token for another. If so long as listed on, well, actually it doesn't have to be listed. You can just trade whatever token you want on, on Trader Joe. So long there's a pool for it, or there's a route for it. Um, with pool, it's basically adding liquidity to what we call pools or pairs. So in order to trade between a pair of assets, like say AVAX and ETH, there has to exist a pool for it. And if there exists a pool for it, then people can add liquidity to, liquidity to that pool. And by doing so, you also um, earn a percentage of trading as a fee, and that is 0.25%. Um, but in addition to adding liquidity, after that, you can also put your LP tokens, which is basically like a receipt to tell you that you've added liquidity into the farms. And by doing so, you also earn more, um, you also earn Joe as well. And then the stake is, um, as I mentioned before, it's the whole X Joe thing. So once you've earned your Joe, you can stake it into um, X Joe. So basically, deposits your Joe gives you back X Joe, and over time, each X Joe actually becomes is over time each Joe each X Joe actually um, is worth more Joe as time goes by. And then the last part is Zap, and that's basically just like a you know a UX thing really. And the whole point of that is like because adding liquidity into pools is kind of complicated, like you have to. You have to swap half of it for the other token, and then you have to add liquidity. And Zap kind of just, you know, makes life easy by making that all one click. Gotcha. And can you, um, like, I feel like one thing that's not very intuitive, like, as you're entering the DeFi ecosystem, is, like, what what is the difference between a pool and being, like, a user side of that and then a farm? Yeah, I think this is very confusing. And the more confusing part is sometimes farms and pools are used synonymously. So, yeah, this is very complicated. So, what is a pool? Um, in a decentralized exchange, 
in order for you to trade between a pair of tokens, let's say, for example, AVAX and ETH, um, there has to exist a, a pair for it or a pool. Let's call pair and pools the same thing. Um, so what that means is that, like, if there's a pool of it, then there's, um, there's like, a fixed amount of AVAX and a fixed amount of ETH in that pool. And if you have AVAX, you can deposit AVAX into that pool and get back ETH. So that's equivalent to saying, I'm going to sell my AVAX and buy ETH. Um, so that's pool, on, on at least what we call pool in Trader Joe. And then there's farm, which is basically once you've added liquidity, um, if you add liquidity into, say, the AVAX and ETH pool, what happens in, on the contract level is you actually get back another token, which we call the LP token or liquidity provider token. And that's actually like a, a receipt to tell you, oh, you own a share of this pool. And um, you can actually take those LP tokens and then stake them into the farm. And, um, you know, let's say there's the AVAX ETH LP farm. Well, you can stake your AVAX ETH LP tokens into that farm and that will earn you Joe. So really, when you add liquidity and stake into a farm, you're actually earning... Um, you're earning yield in two ways. The first way is through the 0.25% trading fee. And the second way is through the additional Joe rewards on top. Gotcha. And so kind of sticking with the farm for a second, what are the, um, you know, like Mewtwo had touched on impermanent loss. Like that's, that's one um, factor that users should consider. Uh, if you have a long-term outlook on a particular token that you, you don't want to like reduce your exposure to. Um, so like for farms, what is, is there any sort of risk in that regard that um, users should be aware of before kind of aping into some of these farms? The main risk is the same risk as pool. So, you know, when you, when you stake into a farm, you've already staked, you've already added, added liquidity into a pool. So the main risk is like with pools, it's impermanent loss. So um, yeah, impermanent loss is basically like you're, you're better off holding the individual assets rather than adding liquidity. That's like the nutshell version of impermanent loss. Gotcha. And so, oh, Mewtwo, do you have something you want to add? No, go for it. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of go go back to um, Banker Banker Joe rolling out. Um, what will that do for the protocol to kind of bring in leverage trading? So to do any kind of leverage trading, you need to borrow from somewhere, right? Um, to give an example, like you know, if you go in Binance and you put in say 100 USDT and you want to buy AVAX and you want to buy it on um, 10x leverage. What that means is that uh, you're actually going to use 1000 USDT, but you only have 100. So you need to borrow 900 USDT somewhere to buy AVAX. And on Binance, what, is, what it's doing is actually lending you 900 USDT. So any kind of leverage trading actually requires a lending component. And that's the whole point of um, why we wanted to add Banker Joe, because in order for us to add leverage trading, 
we also need to add the ability for people to borrow assets from somewhere, and that's from Banker Joe, really. Yeah, I, I love that. And that's how I was getting to earlier with like the Lego blocks. It's like you guys are very methodically adding services to, um, you know, further build out foundation for future services. And I'm actually curious, like, have you guys like, what, what will kind of be like the, the limits of leverage? Um, yeah, so I think leverage trading on a DEX is very different to how it's done on a SEX. So if you go on FTX or if you go on Binance, you can leverage trade up to like 125x. So in the example I gave you, like, you know, you start with 100 USDT, you want to do a 10x leverage long on AVAX. You have to borrow 900 USDT from somewhere. So essentially 100 USDT is your collateral and you're borrowing 900. So you're actually borrowing more than your collateral. And that's actually what's constituted as a um, under collateralized loan. Now, in DeFi lending like Compound, uh, Banky, and also Banker Joe, you can't actually do under collateralized loan. You can only do over collateralized loans. So what that means is that if you add 100 USDT of collateral, you can't actually borrow more than 100 USDT. Um, I think on Banky, the most you can borrow is like 75 USDT. So given that you can't you know it actually severely limits the the kind of leverage you can do um now it doesn't mean that you can't do under collateralized loans um, you can't do like degen leverage trading it's just it has to be thought differently and the way the reason why i say that is because um on binance for example if you you know going back to the example of doing a 10x leverage when you borrow 900 USDT, it's, it's not actually going into your wallet. Um, it's more of like a virtual accounting uh, balance. And but the thing is, if you borrow um, if you borrow money on Banky or or Compound or you know when Banker Joe launches, when you borrow money on Banker Joe, um, if you borrow like say 75 USDT, actually that 75 USDT actually goes into your wallet. So, you know, I think for leverage trading, um, if we want to be able to offer high leverage limits, it has it can't be like it can't allow the the borrowing part cannot. Um, you can't be able to borrow tokens and for that for those tokens to go into your wallet. It has to be kind of a virtual borrowing instead, if that makes sense. Right. It, it's kind of like a paper balance of, of what you have currently. Exactly. That, that exactly. Ledger. But the issue um, is that if you also allow, even if it's done virtually, um, under collateralized loans do incur their own risk. And um, so I would say that in our version one, the leverage limits will not be very high at all. And that's done with the purpose of simple, you know, we don't want to come out with something that's complicated and that's also prone to, you know, a lot of risk protocol. So we want to come out with something that's kind of safe and something that we know um, will work and is not going to crash the whole protocol. Um, but future, future iterations definitely will, you know, we'll, we'll seek to innovate and find ways to make it so that you can have higher leverage limits. Gotcha. 
and I feel like I, I should know this and I, I think I do, but, um, you know, a lot of us are link Marines, um, and then the community that tune in, which, uh, Oracle solution would you guys be using for this leverage trading, um, in your services? Yeah. I mean, chain link for sure. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I want to mess around with anything else, especially after seeing like the whole V finance exploit. Yeah, Chainlink is pretty much taking the industry, and I, I just love it, especially because, I mean, I'm invested in it. But also, it, it'll finally bring security to, to everything, everyone that uses it. And that, and it's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know you guys were big Link Marines, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, we own, we own way too much Link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually actually um you know some of my friends are actually link marines and uh if you've come on our telegram a lot of our a lot of our dgen stickers were actually made by the same guy who made all the dgen link uh link stickers as well yeah there's actually uh there's a lot of overlap actually between uh link marines and avalanche um it's a really popular layer one amongst link marines of course i think that you know there's some relationships there to where it makes sense that you you see that type of uh crossover and so yeah i, I would be surprised if they I, I mean i know a lot of link marines are really uh really bullish on joe yeah actually uh, um <laughs> uh one of the reasons why i was sick is because you know i was i w went to a party and actually i met Chainlink gods for the first time which was uh a very weird experience actually it was really cool um you know i went with a link marine friend and you know link marines they had no other link marines so we got to this event and um you know his friend my friend's friend uh had two other guys with him and we were just introducing ourselves and one of them was like hey i'm chain link god and i kind of just laughed i was like you're not chain link god <laughs> And the reason why I said that is because <laughs> I actually interviewed him uh, two weeks before that. So I just felt like, okay, I know your voice. Um, we spoke on Telegram for an hour. Like, you don't sound like him. So I kind of just laughed and said, you know, Chainlink God. Um, and he, the way he said it as well was very, like, nonchalant. Like, I thought he was just trolling. And then uh, right. moments later, he showed me his Twitter. And I was like, oh, shit, you're Chainlink God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's awesome. We act, we had Chainlink God as well on, on the show. Um, I think last week, so that's uh, that's awesome. Is he tall or short? <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's not. He's neither. He's like kind of average height. Probably has a big brain. Yeah, he's uh, he's a mega Chad. Shout out to Chainlink God. Um. So, uh, Fish, yeah. about Avalanche Rush, about what percent or how much is Trader Joe receiving, if any, from Avalanche Rush uh, incentives? Yeah, I think we announced it. So we're receiving um, roughly about $10 million worth of AVAX. Sweet. Congrats on that. Thank you. That's a lot of AVAX. <laughs> I wish I had $10 million AVAX. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're not going to complain. It's a pretty great number. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we are we are like the, the biggest decks right now, so we kind of need to like incentivize a lot of things. So it just, you know, we're we're putting it to good use. We wanna we wanna obviously incentivize lending, borrowing. We want to incentivize some yield farming, but most importantly, we also want to incentivize 
um, new projects as well to come onto Avalanche. Yeah, I'm actually curious, like, what are you, how do you see Avalanche Rush um, playing out this kind of, like, fall? Um, so, obviously, we're seeing a lot of, you know, big players coming on, like Ave recently, Curve. Um, there's also a bunch of other Ethereum projects that are well-known that are coming. I, I would, you know, and also, I think there's a lot of Avalanche, like, projects starting on Avalanche as well which is great to see as well. I think the most important thing that I would, you know, continue to love to see is just more like native projects launching on Avalanche. And it doesn't have to be like groundbreaking projects, you know, even just like yield farms or DEXs or whatever, like that's cool too. So long there are just more more projects in the ecosystem, that's kind of a win-win for everyone. Um, and the reason why I say that is because like when we launched in July, the whole ecosystem was so small back then. Um, There's probably like only a, a total of 20 projects. And it was kind of nice at the time because everyone knew each other and uh, we were all in the same groups and we all had time to like, you know, to get to know each other and get to help each other out. But at the same time, it's like the ecosystem can only grow um, as a whole if there's just more more people in this space. Yeah, what, what actually like initially attracted you to, to use Avalanche? Yeah, actually, I, I was lucky to get into the sale uh, because, as you mentioned, um, you know, one of my good friends, he's a Link Marine, so he was shilling Avalanche to me. And um, at the time, I was like, okay, whatever, I'll just like, you know, liquidate whatever dust I have left um, from 2018 and just like go into the sale. And then, you know, obviously, I mean, he was very bullish about it. And then I started reading about Avalanche and the whole like consensus mechanism. And I just felt like, yeah, there's definitely something different about it. It's definitely, uh, in terms of like L1 uh, blockchains, it's, it offers something different to what's out there, like Solana, uh, to Phantom, Polygon. And yeah, I just felt like in terms of tech is definitely, um, in, in terms of innovation, it's definitely up there. But also um, the ecosystem earlier this year was just very nascent. And I just felt like, you know what, I want to get myself involved. Um, and just felt like this was just the, the perfect place to, to learn, really. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I bridged over pretty early on whenever, like, the bridge was, you know, first announced. And, um, you know, for me, from, like, a user experience side, like, I don't have any sort of plans, really, to kind of venture back onto Ethereum. Uh, in my opinion, you know, not to discredit any sort of work that's already been done, but it's just, it's not scalable in its current form. And just from a practical user standpoint, um, it's just not practical to spend $60, you know, $50 yeah. on every single transaction that you're doing. It's so painful, uh, man. Um, yeah. Like, and you grow numb to it. Yeah. In the lead up to Banker Joe, in the past few months, we've been doing this kind of research and, we gave ourselves some some walking around money, like a couple hundred dollars to go play on Compound and, and Ave. And, you know, you do one approval and half your pocket money is gone. So uh, my, my research didn't go very far uh, with that couple hundred dollars. Um, yeah, it's just a very painful experience. I mean, I've been on Avalanche so long now, and recently I had to do some transaction in Ethereum because we had to pay our auditors. 
and yeah, I just I think once you're used to Avalanche and the speed and you know the the cheapness of the fees, it's just really hard to go back. Yeah, and I and also you know it's like those memes. Uh, you know, you had like the Bridger, and then you had like the Enjoyer. Um, I don't know if you know which memes I'm talking about that been circulating, but yeah. Um, I, I felt like the enjoyer meme actually hit home because I was like, I literally quoted that. I was like, I, yo, I'm actually like really enjoying this. Like, it's actually fun to make a trade that settles, settles in, you know, five seconds, three seconds. And then I'm paying, you know, I, I don't know, it was like 20 cents or something like that for it to go through. Yeah, definitely the bridge. I mean, shout out to Ava Labs. They, they got the bridge completely spot on. Just like everything feels good even just the user experience is amazing um i actually haven't used other well i've used the bsc bridge but from what i heard from like solana bridge polygon phantom like no other bridge compares to to the avax bridge yeah i i didn't even look up any sort of directions like i just kind of went to the website and it, it felt very intuitive i didn't have any sort of issues so yeah i can Definitely attest to how how smooth um, that rollout was. And I saw your, I think I saw your tweet. So I, I, I don't think you got the good bridging airdrop, right? Because you were already in the ecosystem. Yeah, I was like, damn, I, I'm I'm already old in old in Avalanche. Like I don't have anything else outside of Avalanche. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually curious to see what what, what comes out of that airdrop. Um, yeah. So looking forward into the, the future, what, what are some other things? Um, I know we kind of talked about having the leverage trading, but what are some things on the roadmap uh, for like next year that you guys are really pumped about? Um, I don't want to say next year. I mean, I'm already, you know, I only plan like a month in advance. I would say definitely Banker Joe. That's like our 100% focus right now. Um, we also want to do just like a lot of... Um, I mean, they, they sound small, but actually they're very important. It's just like infrastructure upgrades. So, you know, when we started, we we were just, you know, kind of a small project, but now we're actually doing quite a lot of volume. And um, all we notice is that sometimes like things like subgraph is taking a long time to sync. Uh, some people complain about how our website's laggy. So we actually want to spend a good amount of time just like upgrading our infrastructure um also leverage trading that's definitely on our roadmap uh, we want to get that out you know we don't want to spend too long on it we want to get it out like not soon well soon after after banker joe um in terms of what else is after that uh i mean we haven't actually given too much thought about it we're definitely going to start researching soon um but we kind of like the idea of going down derivatives but we i don't want to say too much just in case but you know, I definitely feel like derivatives is something that's, you know, it seems like it's the path to go down under in DeFi now. Yeah, I'm actually curious, um, you know, you had talked about how it's really hard to look out a year out in this industry because just everything changes so fast. And, you know, going back to our earlier conversation of like the 2017 uh, market cycle in the bubble popped in 2018, you had a lot of projects that really just kind of disappeared because they didn't have any sort of capital preservation in place as a uh, protocol or team. Um, 
So is that something you guys think about is just capital preservation in terms of um, being able to withstand uh, potential extended long downtrends of the market? I don't think it's capital preservation. Um, I would say it's, you know, actually, I don't know the cause of why those projects failed, but I can imagine um, it has to do with like staying consistent and staying motivated for a long period of time. For example, like in crypto, you know, you work so hard for a couple months and then you launch something and then there's this, just this feeling like, oh, I just want to chill now. But actually that's like, you can't chill because crypto just moves so fast. And if you don't produce something new every two or three months, like you're falling behind really. So I think it takes like a real animal to be able to crank out new things every few months and just, just constantly stay focused. Um, I mean, in terms of like capital, like I'm not worried about that. I'm pretty sure Trader Joe will, you know, stay funded for the next year and the next few years to come. The main thing for us is just to stay motivated and stay on our toes. Um, and I think, you know, when we first started, we launched at the, we launched when AVAX was $10. So it was pretty much like the peak of the bear market. So even though we've done very well now to become the number one DEX, like we still have it in the back of our minds that, you know, we still remember where we came from, right? So um, that's like our big motivation really. It's like, we're not, we don't want to get comfortable anytime soon. We want to keep on pushing um, new features. I mean, it doesn't stop with Banker Joe. Uh, once Banker Joe is launched, we're going to go straight into leverage trading. Uh, we're going to, you know, do a lot of UI upgrades, infrastructure upgrades. We're going to start looking into other things in DeFi. Um, our, you know, our main goal actually is to be an innovated platform in the whole of DeFi, not just Avalanche. So, you know, we've forked Uniswap, we've forked Compound, but our goal is to not to become a fork for the rest of our lives, right? We want to actually be creating new protocols um, that's like completely new in all of blockchain. Yeah, I'm actually curious, are in, in this industry, not maybe specific to you guys, um, but just generally speaking, when it comes to like roadmap, is it the developers that are creating this roadmap or are you guys like interested in hiring uh, product managers or project managers that kind of can extend the outlook on the horizon and kind of craft the game plan um, for the next like year for, for the protocol? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, actually, my co-founder, Murloc, he, he's a product manager. And um, yeah, he's like a super invaluable resource. I think actually one of the things that crypto needs more of is is solid product managers. And the reason why I say that is because like, you know, you can have developer skills, but knowing what to build and why you should build it is very important. Um, one of the big things that I see and, you know, as a founder as well, it's very easy to get to lose focus. That's the big problem. It's like, you know, you feel like, oh, I need to build this and I need to build that. I need to add withdrawal fees and fancy staking mechanisms. And, but it was really down to Merlock to, to just say to us, like, hey, we don't need this. This is like every other product is doing it, but we shouldn't do it. Uh, we should focus on this instead. And um, yeah, that's just like so important. So I would say in terms of road mapping and basically strategizing what we should build next, a lot of that comes down to him. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And I think 
I think um, those types of roles are going to be in growing demand in this industry. Um, you know, I, I feel like it helps to have that central orchestrator that's kind of touching all the different teams yeah. and kind of aligning everyone's objectives and um, keeping it, keeping the train on the tracks, if you will. Yeah. And then most importantly, like, you know, building things with the user in mind as well. Um, sometimes I think, I feel like as developers, sometimes, you know, we want to build things and we often conflate like complexity with superior tech, but actually sometimes being too complex is actually the worst thing for a user. And one of the big complaints about DeFi and crypto is just, it's just not very user-friendly, right? So whatever we can do to make our products more user-friendly, it's always going to be a win-win. A hundred percent. I feel like if you interact with the users and they love your protocol, I mean, they're going to stay, right? You treat your users well and they'll treat you well. Um, it's not just that, though. I think it's also just like in terms of when it comes to building your product and designing your product, like just really breaking down everything down to its simplest form. Um, I, was, I was talking about this to someone today, but like, you know, if you go to Trader Joe, the first tab is called trade. And on most DEXs, they call it swap. Um, and it, you know, to the unobservant observer, it probably feels the same. Like what, what's the difference? Trade swap is basically the same, right? But, you know, we were quite deliberate in calling it trade and not calling it swap because, you know, a user, you don't, you don't say I'm going to go to Uniswap to swap my tokens. It just doesn't sound like proper English, right? Uh, but you will say, hey, I'm going to go on Uniswap to trade my ETH for BTC. So it's just small things like that. Um, you know, and I think it it takes like a very meticulous product manager to say, hey, we're not going to call it swap, we're going to call it trade. And I would say that in terms of what we do well, it's a culmination of all these small little details. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's a very clear distinction. I, I think swap is just that industry jargon, potentially. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not in that industry, but that's like, that's my assumption. And, but, you know, trade, it's like every, everyone knows what a trade is, but you know, a swap, you may not know exactly what a swap even entails. Exactly. And even like, you know, terminology like pool and farm, um, you know, some, some DEXs or some projects, they, they basically call pool and farm the same thing. But for us, like a pool is adding liquidity. So why would you earn yield from a pool? It is, you don't actually earn yield from a pool, right? You earn yield from a farm because when you grow your crops, you, you know, when you grow your potatoes and then they grow into these, you know, beautiful potatoes, that's your, that's your yield. But what, what yield are you getting from a pool? Um, from an English point of view, that does not make sense. And, uh, you know, I mean, this sounds like so mundane, but actually for us, it's like, we think about this a lot. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's that's something that we're like very we're quite anal about. Actually, is like wh why are we calling it pool and not calling it farm? Yeah, even fits your brand better calling it farm. Yeah, and then you know, there's all, you know, I feel like some other projects they'll call pool and farm the same thing, and you know, you'll say like, hey, I'm going to enter this pool, but 
a pool is where you don't go to a pool to earn yield. You go to a farm to earn yield. So it doesn't really make sense to call it pool anymore. hundred uh, percent. Crypto Fish, normally at the end of these episodes, we allow audience members to come on and ask questions. Are you are you cool with that if we, we allow? Yeah, sure. Shoot away. Hey, guys, if you want to ask Crypto Fish a question, just request now. We'll let you guys on one at a time. We'll give it we'll give it a few seconds. See if anyone anyone bites. See some red triangles in the crowd. Oh, oh there we go. All right. Go. Is someone asking a question? Yeah, they're, they're connecting now. Oh, looks like we're, I think we brought oh, two of them. Hello. But... Hey, how's hey. it going? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking me in. Um, I wanted to ask if uh, uh, the team has any plans on uh, doing NFTs soon, or you know, maybe some sort of involvement with NFTs sometime yeah. or in the future. No, no, for sure. Um, actually, I wanted to do it earlier, but the guy that was going to do it, I, he kind of went AFK. So um, definitely, we're going to do it. Actually, uh, I just, I just um, finished specking out this spreadsheet where you know where we kind of say what the what traits and what attributes the nfts will have and the probability of them getting each attribute and then uh, once we like actually generate the kind of combinations of each attribute we'll um, send out to designer and then they'll get to work on it thank you Thanks for the question, brother. What up, little thing? Yo, what's going on, guys? Hey. LG. Uh, question for you. I don't know if you touched on this before, um, but in regards to like other platforms like Aave and things like that who are coming over to Avalanche, mm-hmm. um, how do you guys at Trader Joe view that? Do you view that as like stiff competition? Do you view that as like a synergistic relationship to grow the ecosystem? Like what's your take when you have these other companies bridging over um, and coming over to Avalanche? Not at all. I, I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, the, especially with DEX is like, the success of a DEX is when you have a lot of projects that are being actively traded inside that ecosystem. So, you know, a, Aave is huge. They're going to bring a huge amount of liquidity. Um, they're also, you know, for their own token as well. So that's actually good for us because when there's more liquidity, there's also actually there should be more volume as well. So, you know, this is a good thing for us. Um, now you, people might ask, oh, isn't Aave and Banker Joe aren't they competing uh, protocols? I mean, yes, you can you can argue that too. But what we found with lending is that actually lending is not one of those markets that's winner takes all. Um, DEXs are, you know, usually on each chain, a, a DEX tends to dominate and take most of the liquidity and most of the volume. But with lending, it's not so much. You can actually have uh, many different players in a lending space. Um, and the reason why is because, like, you know, most people, they'll, on Ethereum, they'll probably 
borrow land from compound but sometimes like especially the guys who do a lot of borrowing they will actually go onto other smaller protocols um, because they might get better rates on that so or they might just have different offerings for for tokens so uh, another one is like cream for example that's actually the protocol that we're forking um, they have a strategy for whitelisting what long-tail assets and what that means is that long-tail assets like tokens that have you know a lower market cap they're deemed more volatile, more risky. Um, and that's actually, you know, a way for them to differentiate. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to add collateral for say, like, uh, I don't know, Hedgic, for example, you can't do it on compound because they don't have it whitelisted, but you can do it on cream. Yeah, very cool. No, that's great. And I have one more question. Um, I don't know if I have this information right. Was was Banker Joe delayed from, was it supposed to be October 4th? If I'm not crazy, or am I making that up? No, you're, you're right about that. Um, it was, we were planning to launch on October 4th, but basically uh, we had to delay it by a week because I've been kind of bedridden <laughs> the past week. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear I'm laughing with you, not at you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, thank you so much for the uh, answers. Appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, little thing. Appreciate you, brother. What's going on, Melvin? Uh, can you guys see Melvin? Or is, or is he, can uh, you hear um, me? Oh, yeah. Hey, Melvin. Oh, there you go. Can you give any uh, details on how the incentives from Ava Labs would be utilized by you guys? Um, I think generally we're going to use it for some lending and borrowing and also for some yield farms. In terms of the yield farms, we want to incentivize native projects. So the idea is that, you know, I mean, we haven't really fleshed out this, the details yet, but um, we're going to get, we're going to get, people to kind of apply for uh, incentives and um, you know if we if we think that they're a they are a boon to the ecosystem then we'll give it to them cool cool thanks Melvin appreciate the yep. question brother what's going on Uh, Banker Joe, uh, you guys were uh, forking Compound, right? And Compound, um, uh, I guess, like, I gave it, like, 90 million, I guess, in an upgrade? Like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so how are you guys, like, uh, tackling that issue because you're forking Compound? So, actually, we're forking Cream, which is a modified fork of Compound. So, Cream... Um, cream fort compound, but they made a lot of modifications. So actually, um, you know, we've talked with our auditors about that bug, and um, you know, basically the contracts we that we forked, they don't have that um, that line of code that's causing that bug. So uh, the TLDR is, you know, we don't we won't have that issue. So uh, I wouldn't worry about it. Awesome. Thank you. No worries. Great question. Appreciate you coming on, brother. 
going on, Hayden? Um, so I just had a quick question. Earlier you were mentioning the demand for smart contract developers. Um, what in your mind, like on their resume, essentially makes them a more qualified, better than average smart contract developer? Yeah, good question. Um, we, we get a lot of like resumes coming in and, you know, I, I feel like most people, most developers, they'll say they're smart contract developers and usually you ask them, you know, what have you worked on? And they'll always say like NFTs. And, um, you know, that's not a bad thing. Um, it's just hard for me as like a hiring person to kind of cut through the, the cruft basically, because NFTs is like, it's, it's not hard to create an NFT contract. So what I would like to see is like someone who's worked on a more complex protocol. Like, you know, if they, if they've worked extensively on like a lending protocol, for example, like compound, the compound protocol or any kind of lending protocol is generally very complicated and it will take um, some serious brain power to actually, you know, sit down, go through all the contracts and see how they interact with each other and know it inside out. Um, even, even the Uniswap V2 contracts, like if, you know, if they can tell me all the small details about it, it, it really signifies to me that they really, um, they really, they've actually like gone through the contracts and really fully understood them rather than just like, you know, cloning the repository and forking them and deploying them. Um, so that's the main thing. If they've also are familiar with all the tools that are, I find less commonly used by, you know, other developers, um, you know, most people, they will just use Remix and they'll deploy and then they'll maybe use Explorer. But if you can say like, hey, I, I know how to use Hard Hat very well, I know, um, what tenderly is and how to debug transaction tenderly. Um, that's actually like, you know, that tells me as well, a signal that, okay, um, you know, you probably have done a lot of smart contract work. Cool. Awesome. I appreciate that. No worries. Thank you so much, Hayden. I see Melvin. He's back. Well, are you back on Melvin? <laughs> the new upgrades or updates as any kind of threat to you guys uh what was their updates about oh i know they have like new ui coming out and i nothing really specific that i've seen but it seems like they have some big stuff coming up yeah i think i saw them i mean you know props to them i think it's good that you know they're they're I feel like they definitely uh, in the past month have, uh, you know, basically just gotten their fee and started pushing things out faster, which is great to see. Um, are we worried? I would not say that we're worried right now. Um, most of it is UI upgrades. I think they also have some limit order stuff that they're working with another project with. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to say whether their UI is good. I've only seen a screenshot. I haven't actually used it. Um, I mean, I don't think they're doing anything drastically different or groundbreaking for us to get worried right now. Um, so no, I would say the answer to that question is no.
Awesome. Thanks again for coming on, Melvin. I think that's a wrap, guys. Um, Crypto Fish, just really, really appreciate you taking the time to come out. Yeah, no worries. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I know, I know. It took a little while to get get you on, but I'm so happy that you're you're feeling better. And um, I know Chase is and super really big uh, fans of Trader Joe. Yeah, it's a money printer, right, Chase? <laughs> <laughs> Well, right now, everyone's like, everyone's like, so you know, the whole community is like kind of in turmoil right now because we're down from our our highs, and everyone's like, oh, everyone, you know, people are dumping, blah blah. Um, hopefully, yeah. hopefully things change over the next few weeks because Telegram's becoming a little bit unbearable right now. Yeah, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you can't, you know, just number go up. Non-stop. Yeah, <laughs> no, we, 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 we don't, we don't put too much weight um, into, I mean, obviously we pay attention to what people are feeling, but right. we're not going to yes. like, yeah, get yeah. our heads no, like. But I, I can tell you from a, a community member who does actually have exposure, like, you know, um, I think it's important for us as community members to stay realistic and those types of expectations. Um, yeah. And, you know, as long as you guys are constantly innovating, which you guys are currently doing, and the Avalanche ecosystem is growing, which is also currently happening, you know, the stars are aligned, you know, so you just have to be patient and kind of uh, let the process play out. But yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I just want to say I, I really appreciate you hopping on. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I feel like we touched on a lot of topics like outside of Trader Joe. So it was awesome to hit your um, or hear your insights from that. So thanks. Yeah, no worries. Um yeah, just circling back to what you said, like, obviously, you know, I feel like we've been through, um, you know, before this, uh, like, only about two months ago, we were hovering around three cents. So we've kind of been here before. Uh, we're not getting too worried about it. I think the only thing we can do as a team is just to really just put our heads down, just build. And that's what we're going to continue to do, really. Got to zoom out. Exactly. Yeah, it's typically the build and the bear that, that last so i think you guys have your um your head on sh- on your shoulders correctly and i'm excited for the future of trader joe for sure yeah definitely thank you guys yeah thank you again oh also we post these on youtube do you mind if we um if we post it there yeah no problem sweet all right all well, right guys stay base, stay base guys All right. See you guys. Bye.